Okay, so uh, we're going to do our scripture reading from today. It's from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And if you want to follow along, that's on page 676 in your Pew Bible. And as we always say, if you need a Bible, you're welcome to take one of these Bibles home with you um, and enjoy everything that's in there. <clears throat> when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. The word of the Lord. Thought you said we lost him. I found you <laughs> Thank goodness for that star. If it weren't for that star, I wouldn't have found you guys. <laughs> Pretty convenient that now you can read the stars. Oh no, just that big super bright one. I mean, it's like, boom-blam! <laughs> but I'm still gonna need directions home. Can someone write that down for me? We don't have time for this. We're going to see the Messiah. Look at us, the four wise men. We're inseparable. More like insufferable. Speaking of suffering, my feet can't take much more walking. It's been three years. We should have been home by now. You guys can blame me all day for losing those camels, but you all knew going into this that my double hitch knot needed a little work. <clears throat> Why don't we proceed in silence, reverent silence? in honor of the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> 
totally cool with that. Good. So, I was thinking about my gift. I mean, what baby needs white jade anyway, right? <laughs> We've been over this a thousand times. White jade represents his purity and goodness. The gold represents his royalty. The burning of frankincense reminds us that the aura of God is around us at all times, and the myrrh is to anoint him as king of kings. Wait, 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 wait. just listen, listen, I think. I think I've got a better gift. A gift that'll make everyone forget that I lost the white jade. You what? I mean, I think a gift that makes the white jade just look like nothing, a gift that's better than the white jade that I replaced. You replaced with what? The greatest gift of all. Oh yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. Bum-blam! Hummus! <laughs> you must be kidding. Do you mean you must be kidding? Because <gasps> I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. Hummus is delicious, okay? And, and it's very, it's very symbolic. People unite together when they see hummus. Much like a savior. Okay, okay. This is my bad. This is on me. You guys go see the Messiah. I'll just stay here. I think that would be best. But at least you have a snack. Yeah. I just thought it just doesn't matter what we bring this little king. He doesn't need any of our gifts. I mean, you know, he's a savior. I mean, he's a, he's a gift to us. Maybe I was hoping he's bigger than all my mistakes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was hoping. All right, I'll see you guys later. Why are you doing that? Because I hope he's that kind of a savior, too. Let's go. I wish someone had some pita bread. Blam! <laughs> Okay, join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son and the gift of your word. As we reflect on events that took place so long ago, please prepare our hearts to hear this story and to hear you. Amen. So it's December 29th and still the season of Christmas. But Christmas Day is finally over, and most of the presents have been opened, and the Christmas music that's been on the radio since literally October 15th has suddenly disappeared, even though it's now Christmas. Our hearts have been filled to the brim with the joy to the world of our Savior's birth, and many of us are also feeling exhausted. We're ready for 2019 to be over and thinking about what's ahead and what will we resolve to accomplish in 2020. It's been a joyous Christmas season here at St. John's with the Christmas program and choir and giving tree and three Christmas Eve services. 
and I'm thankful for the opportunity today to fill in for Pastor Tom for this one service. Some of you might be early for the 1045 or late for the 8 o'clock, but you made it for the one service as we stop and catch our breath. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Julie Thomas, and I've been a member here at St. John's since 2012, although my family, um, I, through my husband's family, I've had a longer relationship with St. John's. I serve on church council, and I serve as the St. John's treasurer. So when I was assigned this date to share a message with you, I recognized this, is, this feels like a transitional weekend. We're between two holidays, and so if some of you are coming back after the Christmas Eve service to hear Pastor Tom's great sermon again. Don't be disappointed. He will be back next week. Um, and he is going to switch from the sermon series on presence into a sermon series about fear. So this Sunday falls in what feels like an overlooked part of Christmas. And we don't want to overlook that we still need to light the Advent candles. So I'll do that now. <clears throat> it's before Epiphany starts. And for those of you who are keeping track, it's the fifth day of Christmas, which is also known as the Five Golden Rings Day of Christmas these lit here. Probably the part I was most nervous about today, so we're done. Okay. So, as I prepared, I didn't know exactly which direction to go in. Should I look back at things that have happened over the years? Should I look forward? And this is how I often feel at this time of year. Where am I? Caught between two areas. But since we are in the season of Christmas, let's stay with the final scenes of the Christmas story and what happened after the Magi left. It's like Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. So when my husband heard that I was going to be talking about the three wise men, he pointed to this little plaque that we have in our house that says the three wise women would have asked directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, brought practical gifts, and there would be peace on earth. Amen? <laughs> I'm not sure how many of you have seen that before, but it is kind of funny. But no, I'm actually going to talk about... Uh, the three wise men, and I have some facts to share with us. First of all, how many magi or wise men were there? So tradition leads us to believe that there were three, but nowhere in the Bible does it actually say that there were three magi. There were three gifts. And maybe, as our video suggested, there were four magi. Bablam. And the fourth one brought hummus instead of the original plan to offer white jade to symbolize Jesus' goodness and purity. Maybe there was a whole football team of magi. Seriously, when they saw the star, though, <clears throat> the magi dropped everything and followed that star. 
they traveled to the land of Herod and went to Herod, who was ruler over Bethlehem, and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and it rose, and, it, and we have come to worship him. Now, this was the first that Herod had heard of this king of the Jews. And Herod was disturbed. Another king? The Magi described the exact time the star appeared. Herod gave them permission to go to Bethlehem with one request. He asked that when they find this boy king, they report back so Herod could worship him too. Fact two. When did the Magi arrive in Bethlehem? Our tradition leads us to believe that the three wise men arrived soon after Jesus' birth and presented their gifts to him in the manger. But the wise men traveled from afar, and they came to the house where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were living in Bethlehem. And it's likely that Jesus was up to two years old at this point. We know this because in his jealousy, Herod gave orders to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger. This was in accordance with the timing Herod had learned from the Magi. By the time the Magi showed up, two years had passed since that star had first appeared. Fact three. The Magi then defied Herod's orders to tell him where the newborn king was located. So the Magi were the ones to spill the beans that put Herod on alert. And without the Magi, Herod may have never known about Jesus' birth. But they were wise men. They were warned in a dream not to, to, to return to Herod because Herod's true motive in knowing where the king of the Jews was located, was to kill Jesus, not to worship him. The wise men left and went home, never revealing to Herod the location of the child they came to worship. They understood that Herod was trying to deceive them. So this is the backstory that leads up to our gospel reading today. The Magi left, and an angel tells Joseph, Get up! Go to Egypt, and don't return until I tell you. But this part of the story is not really one we see in the nativity scene, right? Star, wise man, suitcase? The book of Matthew is the only place in the Bible where this pivotal story is told. What if Joseph hadn't obeyed and decided to stay in Bethlehem? What if Mary put her foot down and said, seriously, Joseph, we were just getting settled. I finally had my first night's sleep. I was just about ready to start potty training baby Jesus. This is not a good time to flee Egypt. But she didn't do that. Had they stayed, Jesus may have been killed when Herod found him. He may have been killed as part of the killing of all the boys. That was the fate for the boys under age two in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas. It seems so unimaginable, and it seems so cruel. 
this time, Jesus did escape death. We have the benefit of understanding that Jesus would die. He would die for you and for me. Mary and Joseph were able to use the angelic warning they received to save Jesus. This not only allowed Jesus to be safe, but it allowed him to grow up to defeat the unspeakable root of evil that led to so many children being killed at that time. This is how what the prophets foretold in Jeremiah comes to pass. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Rachel, the Rachel from way back in Genesis, wife of Jacob and mother of the technicolor dream coat Joseph, went, wept when the children of Israel were scattered, and she weeps for the mothers of Bethlehem. In both cases, God shows us how afflictions occur, but out of the affliction, in his eternal wisdom, God is good. All along, Jesus was part of God's plan. There was another part of the story that points to what the prophets foretold in the Old Testament. After Herod died, an angel appears to Joseph again and says, Get up, return to Israel. This is how what the prophets foretold in Hosea 11.1 comes to pass. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. In the Old Testament, we start seeing that God has a plan. God planned that a remnant of faithful Israelites would return to Jerusalem, where one day the Messiah would come. And the Messiah would offer pardon and reconciliation to all who faithfully follow him. Jesus was that kind of Savior. A Savior that would offer pardon and reconciliation to all who faithfully follow him. The kind of Savior that the, our fourth wise men in the video prayed for. A Savior that is a gift to us, bigger than our mistakes, and looks past our imperfections. And Jesus was that kind of Savior. Jesus did offer us the full grace that we seldom deserve, but we receive anyway. Jesus came to bear our pain, and Jesus died for us so that our sins would be forgiven. This little baby was born into a broken world to give it hope. We are broken people, and that hope lives in us. That is the real rest of the story. We don't give this story the attention that we probably should. Our crushes and our manger scenes should have a suitcase to remind us that God's divine plan has a lot of curves. Here, a larger story was beginning to unfold. When the angels were appearing to Joseph, when Joseph, Mary, and Jesus leave for Egypt, few knew that this baby existed and what he would mean for the world. As refugees, they fled to Egypt. They found refuge in Jewish settlements along the way, and God watched over them until it was time to return. And then he watched over them afterward, of course. How many people along the Holy Family's journey missed seeing the miracle passing before their very eyes? 
how many of those people who offered the Holy Family lodging and food later heard of Christ and his disciples, and how many of them then became believers as this story unfolded? We begin to see Jesus as not only the rest of the story, but as the whole story. He is what came before and what comes after. His birth was this pivot point. Because Jesus represents Abraham. Abraham was a blessing so that others could be blessed. And Jesus comes to bless the whole world. Jesus' path mirrors that of Moses. Both were babies in danger. Both were saved. And Moses left Egypt, and Jesus' family is led back into Egypt to return to Israel. As I studied this, some writers draw parallels between Moses wandering in the desert for 40 years to come to the promised land, and Jesus spending 40 years in the desert fasting, 40 days in the desert fasting. And Jesus succeeds David, who is king, by being the king of all kings. It's uncertain how long the Holy Family lived in Egypt. Herod eventually died, and Judah would be divided up and ruled by Herod's three sons. Angels came to Joseph in a dream and again said, Get up! They returned to Israel, though not to Bethlehem, where the most evil of the three sons now ruled. They instead settled in Nazareth, and Jesus became known as Jesus of Nazareth. When the angel appeared to Joseph and said, Get up, go. Either time, Joseph probably felt afraid. He didn't know how long it, he would be gone. He didn't know where his path would lead. He didn't know where he would lie his head at night. Whether he felt fear or not, he took action and as we take time to reflect and think about the next decade that's upon us, where is God in your life telling you to get up and go? Just as Jesus was part of God's divine plan, you are too. Jesus came to be the light of the whole world. And as we were, we were reminded when we blew out our candles on Christmas Eve, the rest of the story is that his light shines in you. Join me in prayer. God, thank you for the gift of your son. Though he was born into a broken world filled with evil, your love through him prevailed. Help us to pause to hear when you want us to get up and go. And Lord, Help us to not be afraid, but to use your power that lives within us to do your will. Amen. The sacrament of communion reminds us of how Jesus died for us to erase our sins. And Jesus, on the night before you, who knew no sin took sin upon yourself after a life lived pressing toward the goal of, goal of our salvation. You took the bread with your disciples, your friends, and when you had given thanks, you broke it and gave it to your disciples and said, 
take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, you also took the cup after the supper. And when you had given thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, no matter what your background, please join us together as we open up our hands in a physical sign of surrender to God and pray the prayer that Jesus taught us that night. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>